Well, good evening. It's great to be with you. I apologize from the off for my voice. I've struggled with a bit of a cold this week. It is a negative COVID test, just to chuck that in. But actually, I was due to be with you for one of these evening gatherings back in February. And I did have COVID at that time. <laughs> I tested positive a few days before. But just thank you for the invite again, Gary, to come and share. It's a real blessing to be with you tonight. And I'm sure you'd agree, but just those times of extended worship are just wonderful, aren't they? Just really, really appreciate them. And, um, and I appreciate, appreciated the words that were coming, particularly from Andy and Andy. I'll pick them out because they've got a great name. But... Um, just that sense of, Lord, I want to do what you want me to do, and that's good by me. <laughs> that's what I want to do. And um, as Andy Windsor was giving his, his word, I was thinking about Luke chapter 8, the parable of the sower, and just wanting to pray, Lord, let my seed fall in good soil. I don't want it to be in soil where the thorns are going to come and choke it. It talks in the parable of the sower about how the uh, thorns choke the seed and it talks about being uh, because of life's worries and the deceitfulness of wealth. And sometimes those things can just come and take over, can't they? As Andy was praying, Lord, save us from that. Let's be good soil. Let's see a harvest hundred times over and let's see that happen, please, Lord. So yeah, I'm Andy, as Big Z introduced me, thank you, and it's, um, it's a joy to be here. Greetings from the Hub, and um, you know, we gather on Sunday afternoons now, we're not doing the morning thing at the moment, so um, it's quite nice in some ways not doing morning stuff all the time, so good to be here with you this evening. Have to get used to, you, we, we've taken a while in the hub to get used to saying afternoon from morning, and now I'm going to have to get used to saying evening tonight. So um, I've only just mastered saying afternoon. But um, it is really good to be here. I'm married to Tracy. We've been married for 17 years in December, so I haven't caught you guys up yet, but um, we will one day, I'm sure. I've got two children, Lydia's 14 and James is 11. And those of you who knew us from the King School days will find that as scary as I do, I'm sure. <laughs> they grow up fast. So this evening, I just wanted to share something of Jesus' encounters with his disciples in the period of time after his resurrection and before his ascension. 40 days, Jesus had an opportunity to encounter his disciples, these disciples who now understood what Jesus meant, now understood, ah, destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days, ah, ah. And their Lord and Savior, when they thought it was all over at the crucifixion, he's appearing to them, the risen Jesus. And Jesus has this period of 40 days and I don't know about you, but I think it's really important. All of scripture is really important, but I think it's really important to look at that period of time between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. Because I think what Jesus says to his disciples is gonna be really important. If you think about the football team that gathers before their match, they huddle together just before they get into formation for the, the kickoff whistle. And I'm sure the captain 
is not asking them what they're going to have for lunch tomorrow. I'm sure the captain is not asking, oh, what are you doing? Are you going for a walk tomorrow? What's happening? Wonder what the weather will be like. No, the captain is going to be giving words of encouragement. What the captain says in that moment is his or hers most important words because it's their final briefing before the game starts. Those words are going to be important. Or think about the surgeon about to perform a delicate operation. Their final words to his or her team are going to be important, specific to the operation, the really key things that he or she wants to remind their team about before they start the operation. They're going to be important words. Or think about the police officer. I used to be a police officer, so I know a little bit about this. But police officers are trained to take down someone's final words, called a dying declaration. And it has a high place in court because everyone knows that someone's final words are going to be really, really important. They're not going to be trivial. And so the police officer is trained to either write down verbatim what's said or to record it in some way so the court knows exactly what was said because final words are important. And finally, particularly when my kids were younger, but if I'd lit the barbecue in the garden and I was going off to get some food from the kitchen to put on the barbecue, my final words, don't touch the barbecue. <laughs> it's lit, it's hot. Because final words are really important. They're very rarely trivial. They're important. So I'd suggest that when we look at Jesus' words between his resurrection and his ascension, as I say, all the scripture is important, of course it is. But I've really enjoyed looking at some of Jesus' communication to his disciples in that period. So what I'm going to do tonight is look at five verses or five short passages, one from each of the four gospels and one from the book of Acts of Jesus' words to his disciples between his ascension, uh, between his resurrection and his ascension. Just to say that if you're impressed in any way with it, the framework isn't mine. I've borrowed it with permission from an organization called No Place Left. They are passionate about making disciples. They're passionate about seeing God's glory cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. They're passionate about passages like Acts 19, where Paul lands in Ephesus. And with the 12 disciples he finds there, he within two years teaching from the hall of Tyrannus, sees the whole province of Asia hear the word of the Lord in two years. So there's no place left to preach the gospel anymore and they have to move on to somewhere new. And so I borrowed it from that organization and um, I think it's inspiring. So I hope that it'll inspire you tonight. Thanks, Jim. Hopefully it'll inspire you tonight uh, with that. So the five things I'm gonna outline Let's go with the first one. I believe Jesus gave a model to his disciples. A model of being sent on mission. And we find it in John chapter 20, verses 19 to 22, and it says this. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. 
after he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see the model in there? As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Jesus sending his 11 disciples, giving them a mission. That's the model. God the Father sent Jesus. Now Jesus is sending people, his disciples. He's giving them a mission. And notice, Jesus knows that they can't do it on their own. They're going to need some help. And so he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. Because they're going to need the Holy Spirit for this mission as they're being sent by Jesus. Let's never forget that, yeah? We need the Holy Spirit. We're reliant on the Spirit's power for everything that God calls us to. So that very simply is number one, the model. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And then secondly, we have the magnitude. Yes, the disciples are being sent. And then Jesus gives them the magnitude of this mission. It's huge. And we find that in Mark chapter 16, verses 14 to 16. It says this. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Go everywhere. Preach the gospel to everything. <laughs> it's huge. The magnitude of the mission that Jesus is giving his disciples is huge. I don't know about you, but I know I'm guilty. I, lo I, lo I love sharing the gospel. I love praying with people. But... I know that I'm guilty of picking and choosing a little bit. I know I'm guilty of thinking, oh, this person, oh, I'm, I'm not, quite sure, not quite sure they're going to want the gospel. But this person, <laughs> they, they look like they're going to want the gospel. I feel a bit more comfortable sharing with this person. But Jesus seems to say, go everywhere. We'll see this in the next uh, three sections of this, the encounters with Jesus' disciples, that it's about the whole world. It's about the ends of the earth. It's about everywhere. It's not just for a few. God so loved the world that he gave his son. This is about everywhere. This is about everyone. And Lord, forgive me where so often I pick and choose who might want to receive the gospel when Jesus just wants it to go everywhere and for everyone to have a chance. His heart is that all would be saved and come to a knowledge of him, amen? So let's go for it. Let's go with everyone, everywhere. So we've got a model. As the Father's 
sent Jesus. So now Jesus is sending his disciples. He's sending people. We've got the magnitude. This has got to go everywhere to the ends of the earth, all creation. And then thirdly, Jesus gives them a method. Model, magnitude, and now method. How are we going to do this? How, having been sent into all the world to preach to all creation, how is this going to happen? What's the method? Well, I believe we found, find this in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Really famous passage of scripture, the Great Commission. And it says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Go and make more disciples. You're followers of me. Go and make more. Go and make more followers of me. Baptize them and teach them. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Teach them. Help them to become good followers of me. And so those disciples, those 11 disciples to whom that great commission was given, what did they do? They obeyed it. And we see that right throughout the book of Acts. Disciples obeying that command of Jesus to go and make more disciples of him, more followers of him. And they go and they do it. Read about it. Read the book of Acts. It's incredible. Working under the power of the Holy Spirit, they go and they make more disciples. And then those disciples, they also obeyed that command as the first disciples had taught them to do. And then generation after generation, these disciples obeyed the command to go and make disciples. And may I suggest that's how the gospel came to you and me. And what's our responsibility now? It's to obey Jesus. Not just in this command, but in every command. We need to go and we need to preach the gospel everywhere to everyone. Let's make more disciples. Let's teach them to obey Jesus and fulfill that command in our generation. So we've got a model. As the Father sent Jesus, so Jesus is sending us. We've got the magnitude. It's got to go everywhere. We've got a method. Let's make more followers of Jesus. And then Jesus gives a message. What's the message going to be? What's the message that we carry? I believe we find this in Luke 24, 46 to 47, and it says this. He told them, Jesus, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. I think there's a basis of a message there. Jesus will suffer. Jesus went to the cross for you and for me. He took upon his shoulders all the things that I'd ever done wrong, all the things I ever will do wrong in the future. Jesus paid for them all. He died in my place. And then three days later, he rose from the grave. Jesus physically rose from the grave. He came back to life. And in Jesus rising from the dead, it means that he conquered death. 
and it means that I can have life. Jesus, the first to rise from the dead, it means many more will do the same. All those that believe in him. We can live with his resurrection life now and we can live in eternity with him in paradise, in glory. But it's all because of what he has done for us, amen? It's incredible, isn't it? And what Jesus calls us to do, invites us to do, is to repent. Repent simply means to change your mind, to change direction, to live your life differently, to think differently. In light of this cross and resurrection, we all have an invitation to repent. We all have an invitation to live differently, to choose to put to death our old self, to rise to become a new creation in Christ, to live for him, say goodbye to our old ways and live a new life serving Jesus in the way that he wants us to live and to become more like him and then eventually to be with him for eternity when our earthly life comes to an end. So there's a call to repent, to live differently in the light of this cross and resurrection. And you know, if we do that, if we decide to repent, to live for him and not for us anymore, he will forgive us. All those things that we've done wrong, all those things that he took upon the cross, the slate is wiped clean. We're forgiven. Isn't that incredible? Might I suggest here in Luke 24 that Jesus gives his disciples a message to carry. And it's about the cross, it's about the resurrection, it's about repentance, and it's about forgiveness. So we're being sent by Jesus into all the world, everywhere, to make more disciples with a message of the cross, resurrection, repentance, and forgiveness. And then finally, number five, Jesus gives us the means. And this is in Acts 1, chapter 8. Remember, in the first one in John 20, we talked about the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit. Well, this is just before Jesus ascends, the beginning of the book of Acts. And it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples were in Jerusalem at the time of receiving this from Jesus. In other words, you're in Jerusalem. This is where you're at. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it with those people around you. Go with it with the people you meet here in Jerusalem. And so Jesus gives them the Holy Spirit. We read about that in the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit comes, fills the disciples, 120 people in the upper room. We read about 3,000 getting saved in a day. We read about people being added to their number daily. And it just goes on and on. I think it's Acts 4. There's, it talks about there being 5,000 at that point, And it just keeps growing. Right to the end of the book of Acts. Right at the end of Acts chapter 28 where it talks about the gospel is just going out and it's unhindered. And then the book ends. The book of Acts ends. Because you know what? We pick it up. 
because they started in Jerusalem where Jesus said to start under the power of the Holy Spirit. And for the first seven chapters of the book of Acts, the disciples are in Jerusalem and they're sharing the gospel. And it culminates in the stoning of Stephen at the end of Acts chapter seven. And as we turn the page onto Acts chapter eight, it says this from verses one to four. It says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church of Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Throughout Judea and Samaria. Yeah? So they've been in Jerusalem. The next stage of the mission starts at the beginning of Acts chapter 8. Judea and Samaria. It says in verse 2, Acts 8 verse 2, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. And then it says this in verse 4, those who'd been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Those who'd been scattered into Judea and Samaria preached the word wherever they went. Amazing Stoke. Well, that's us, Jim. That's us. And so I want to encourage you with that. Do you see how the mission given here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, is starting to go further and further? It's now into Judea and Samaria, but it's got to go to the ends of the earth. And so might I suggest that we pick up something of that mission here in Basingstoke or wherever God sends you to see the magnitude of that mission that Jesus gave. Go right to the ends of the earth, to all creation, to everyone, everywhere. So a quick recap, the model. The Father sends Jesus and Jesus sends us people to carry on the mission. The magnitude, it's gotta to go to the whole world, it's gotta go everywhere. The method, make more followers of Jesus, make more disciples, wherever you are. The message, the cross, the resurrection, repentance and forgiveness. And finally, the means, it's the, under the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it alone. Please don't try to do it alone. We need the power of the Holy Spirit because it's God's work. It's God's work. And so God needs to be involved and God will go before you. I heard just a couple of weeks ago someone say on a Zoom call to some leaders, he was saying, if you want to find God, then get out there and find some people who are far from God because that's where he'll be. The Holy Spirit, his words were, the Holy Spirit will meet you there. And I really like that. Because like Jesus said at the start of his Sermon on the Mount, I know you've done that recently, in the Beatitudes lists, blessed are the uh, poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. All those things he listed in the Beatitudes. He's where people are broken. He's where people are trying to find him. Let's go and find those people who God is preparing to receive that message that he's given us. And the Holy Spirit will meet us there. I'd love just to pray. 
I'd love to just respond in some way. I just feel that actually if anyone here has caught anything of that mission that Jesus gave his disciples and that I believe he's giving us to, then I just want to, I just want to see something of that Holy Spirit power released. Would that be right? So could I just simply ask you if you, if you feel like, Lord, I, I want to take part in this mission. If you maybe like me feel like, I just think I stop short far too often. <laughs> if you want to take up the model, if you want to take on the magnitude, if you're up for the method, if you want to carry that message and if you need the means inside of you more and more, the Holy Spirit lives in each one of us who have given our lives to him. But if you want a new filling of the Holy Spirit to take part in this mission, if you've been stirred tonight in any way, to say, I, I want to I wanna go for this more than I am at the moment. Can I just invite you to stand where you are, please? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for that challenge, that mission you laid before your first disciples. Thank you for how we read, how we get an insight into all that those disciples did under the power of your Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And Lord, we, we want to be part of that. For those of us who just stand here this evening, we want to be part of that. Lord, I want to pray for a new filling of your Holy Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for when we try and do this in our own strength. Forgive us, Lord, when we don't come before you in desperate need of you. Lord, you came to seek and save the lost. We want to pick up that heart too. Lord, under the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to join you in seeking and saving the lost. We know that we don't save, we know that you do, but we want to be part of that mission. And for all of us who have stood this evening, Lord Jesus, forgive us for when we've stopped short. Forgive us for when we've made a judgment on who might, who might not want to hear your gospel, who might, who might not want to be prayed for, who might, who might not want an invite to church. Lord, would you go before us and prepare the people that you want to prepare to hear that message? Would you guide us to them and we'll meet you there? Because we know that that's where you're working. We know in your word, through like parables of the lost sheep, through parable of the lost coin, others as well, that you are out to search and you call us to go. And so, Lord, we'll go. Here we are, send us. But Lord, we know we can't do it on our own. So please fill us up, Lord. Please fill us to overflowing. Just in this room tonight, for all those who want it, Lord, I pray. Lord God, just for a new filling of the Holy Spirit.
We invite you here tonight, Holy Spirit. We invite you. In the words of just the most simple prayer, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Have your way. Fill us, Lord. Fill us with a passion to see your gospel go out, to see your glory cover the earth as the water covers the seas. Lord, all the glory, all the honor, all the praise belongs to you. And we want to see it get to you. <laughs> and Lord, we might only have a small part to play in that. But Lord, would you use us? And Lord, we just pray together that you would pour out your spirit on this town. We pray, Lord, for all those people far from you. Lord, that you would cause them to hunger for you. That you would just place in them a desire to know you more. May people just pick up Bibles that have maybe been on the shelf for years. Would people find their way to churches like this? Lord, would you show us how to find people as well? But Lord, God, would you pour out your spirit in this place? Lord, we long to see you receive the glory that you deserve, the reward for your sufferings. And Lord, we want to play our part as Big Z's been saying, we want to partner with you. It's your mission, not ours. Give us all we need to partner with you, we pray. And Lord, I want to pray for this church, Lord God, that you would raise up men and women, young and old, with a heart for your gospel, a heart to see you move in this place. And Lord, would you use them, we pray. Pour out your spirit in this church, we ask. Give them all that they need. In Jesus' name, amen.